Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. I am super excited for tonight's guest. We have Laith Abdel of like 10 different bands locally. Uh, I only recently got the opportunity to see him live, but I was completely blown away. Uh, I went last Friday night to Hooch and Hive to watch my buddy Ade's band, Black Clash, and Elliot, who works at my office band, Wreath. Uh, and I didn't know much about the headliner. And it, Elliot said, you sh- you, I think you'd really dig them. They're kind of like and he, he started giving me explanations. They're kind of like Soundgarden, but heavier, but kind of like Alice in Chains, but more hardcore. And he was giving me this explanation. And he wasn't wrong, but I tell you what I witnessed when you got on stage. Like, I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like, he is just out of control. I mean, I don't know. Evidently, you've been doing it for a while. I mean, this is not your first band. This is not even your third band. This is like at least your fourth band that I'm aware of. But... You have, and, and I, I, you know, as much as I've not been a musician, I've probably seen more live music than most people. And I got to tell you, man, you fucking owned it up there on that stage. You just, and not only that, I'll set that aside for a second. It, you married kind of two types of front man that I'd never seen before. I come from skateboarding and punk music and and hardcore and metal, like, you know, and Justice for All, Black Flag, Henry Rollins, James Hetfield, Circle Jerks, Minor Threat, Fugazi, all of these kind of like grassroots, do-it-yourself, blue-collar, just fucking, you know, screamers. But then there was this other thing. There was the the Doors in high school. Everybody fucking loved the Doors. And, you know, uh, he, had a, he had a background in St. Pete. So I grew up in St. Pete. He, I actually went to the same high school that he did for yeah, Morrison for like half of a minute when he was there. We didn't go together, of course. But um, And then Robert Plant. I mean, you, you have this thing with your voice. And it, there's almost a, a Freddie Mercury performance aspect to it. But it's more masculine than that. So my point is this, is somehow you were able to embody both this kind of 70s, pardon my cock, cock rock reference, but cock rock <laughs> kind of realm at the same time as this kind of hardcore blue collar, like really kind of earnest. You, you did both at the same time. And I can't think of a time that I've ever seen that before. All right, I'll shut up now. Is that by design? Is that, I mean, who, are, who, who did you come up on? Like, who are your heroes? I mean, you know, you're not wrong on a lot of uh, the bands and artists that you just mentioned. I um, I mean, I was raised on listening to Michael Jackson, really, and a lot of pop music and, um, and also listening to a lot of um, cock rock. You yeah. Know? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I remember like some of my earliest memories is listening to Limp Biscuit, even. Oh, for sure. And like, you know, just hearing that as in like kindergarten and first grade, you know, and that kind of opened my eyes to all sorts of music, you know, like there's the funk groove, there's the the intense dark. So that's a whole know, other and, thing. Yeah, I want to I want to yeah. get through this, but then I want to talk about that band, and then I want to talk about the yeah. other bands because yeah, none of those bands are down the middle like they're all Mm -hmm. like their own thing very much so Mm -hmm. but we'll get there so um well it's funny because you you mentioned limp biscuit and obviously you know the whole the whole new metal 
gets a, a bad rap and 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 I'm not going to argue that point with people but I mean I don't listen to it anymore that much but Well no but, <laughs> but it's an influence you know Well and but. their their stage <laughs> presence is undeniable I mean whether it's uh you know Deftones who I love Corn who I don't mm-hmm. Limp Bizkit who I don't you know I'll defend Deftones till my dying day but um mm-hmm. regardless of what you think about the music regardless of what you think about that scene they definitely were larger than life characters. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, and so that's, that's what I just, it's, I brought my uh, cousin who he's kind of my concert mate. He's, he's recovering, he's sober. And so he's, he's my driver. I was like, I'll buy you the ticket. You drive, I'll go get shit faced. You drive me home. And, but he's, you know, he's seen, he's been to all of it. Lamb of God. He's a huge Gajira fan. Mm-hmm. He's all these different, you know, whatever. And, you know, he watched Black Clash and he's like, oh, okay, well, you know, I, I see what they're trying to do. And, you know, vacancy is like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And then you got out there. He's like, what the fuck? Like, what does this guy do? Where did this guy come from? It was it didn't line up with the rest of the show. And, and I mean, no disrespect. I love Elliot. I love Black Clash. I love Wreath. I love Elliot's other band, Vacants. Those are all like, I, I love all that stuff. But it was so unexpected what you did when you got on that stage. And um, in any event, I'll, I'll quit quit blowing smoke up your skirt. But, uh, you <laughs> know, mean, so we were talking about who you came up on. Um, obviously, yeah. Limp Biscuit. Who are some of the other well, people? Well, you know, like those are like my childhood listening. How old are, how old are you? I'm 31. Oh, so you're a lot um, younger than that. Okay. But, um, I mean, later on in life, I, I mean, I, I got turned on to, um, this band, the Mars Volta. Oh, for sure. And, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and all that stuff. And I started like getting more open to weird music out there. And right. Just music that isn't really like spe- specific to one genre. Right. Sure. So then it opened my, you know, my mind to like guys like Mike Patton, who that's have another one such that versatile, yeah. like uh, singing, you know, styles. Um, and, um, and, and just open my eyes to punk, open my eyes to jazz, open my eyes to the avant garde noise scene. And then my music knowledge just expanded from there. And I went, came from a long way of listening to, you know, pop music, new metal to now I'm listening to like garbage cans being smacked together while someone's going, you know, right, right. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. And I find influence in that too. So, you know, it's just, um, you know, nothing's purposeful in what I do. I kind of, with this band in particular in Mindwash. Um, is this I, the newest of the four bands? It kind of, um, it's around the same time I joined Highway Advisory Radio. Okay. Um, but yeah, well, it, it's a, like, they're both of my newest bands. For okay. Sure. Um, but we've been around for a few years. Okay. Um, but with Mindwash, I remember talking to the guitarist, Chris Denny. And, you know, him and I, like, love rock and roll. So, we're just I like, I love both man, your guitars and your bass. They look like yeah, big old fucking Lord of the Rings. Aaron's like always been Vikings. heavy on the bass. Chris Krause on the drums. He kills it. Like, I, I have to say, like, that band is... They is, held it down. They, they, they're heavy as fuck. And I really love playing with them. And, you know, whatever you saw that night, you know, that was all of us together. You know what I mean? And and so, like, that... We... And, you know, I, Chris... Denny, the guitarist, wrote a lot of those songs. And um, and so, like, him and I, when we first, like, talked about, like, getting this band going, like, I just had this idea, like, man, I really, I really want to do some, like, 70s, 80s style, like, heavy rock, but also bring, like, a modern twist to it and influence to it. And he was all about it. So, right away, like, um, we, we came up with some really heavy ideas. Then we started getting more rock and roll as time went by. So you saw the set, like those songs are literally all the songs we've, we have written in the past like three years. And you can see how like it gets 
from weird heavy to like ZZ top towards the end. You know what I mean? Well, for it's sure. It's so cool to see the transformation over time. and But still feels like it works together too. Well, there's know. not a throwaway either. Like a lot of times, like someone comes up with a single and like, we like these three songs and then these other four are like just fucking filler. Like every one of them, I could tell you guys put your heart into and not one of them sound the same either and there's one actually a video of it i'll send it to you and there's this breakdown i almost felt like it was like when the levy breaks or there's 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 uh, this very zeppelin-esque breakdown where you're kind of dancing around and then you come in with the vocals and i was just it's funny you said mars volta and if i were elliot that would have been the band that i would more have used as a reference point for you guys but Definitely. No, I, I, I can get by. And then I even can get behind that explanation even further after I heard Throat Puncher today, because <laughs> I mean, now I, I don't even. Did, is there any vocals in that? There is. You just don't realize. Okay. Yeah, it's all like filtered through uh, effects pedals. Is that what it is? Yeah. So that's more of like a noisier project that I have with uh, Alistair. St. Hill from uh, WMNF Grand National Championships. Sure. Okay. Um, and then Danny Pachaki, who's a drummer for like thousands of bands. If you haven't heard any of his projects, you definitely need to. I, I'm um, a I'm a big horse, so you're gonna you're gonna I, I'm gonna turn you out and get them on. Yeah. This is this is what I do. I kind yeah, of you, it's you like a I'm like a virus. To, you definitely need to talk to those two guys too, and those guys are amazing musicians and they know so much about music. And, are you all vocals on that um, or are you playing an instrument I'm on? I'm all vocals okay. essentially, but I, I I'm not really like, it's not really like traditional vocals. It's more like noise, atmosphere kind of vibe that I I, I, I really dug it. Um, uh, we've only played one show and I, I want to play with them again. We're trying to write some more stuff, but um, yeah, we only have that one record, The Importance of Hydration, and that's pretty cool. Have you ever heard, uh, it's Brian Ito and David Byrne. It's like in the bush with ghosts or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's similar. I mean, not exactly the same, but it's mm -hmm. a similar concept where it's, instrumental and just a lot of avant-garde kind of a lot of know. yeah yeah it's stream you know a lot of it what you hear stream of consciousness kind of stuff from my very end. cool and then um danny who's a very versatile player like he's usually all over the drums on on these on these songs we did on that record um he kind of lays back a little bit and it's really cool to to see that because um he's such an all-around amazing drummer and he can he can literally turn into a hurricane whenever he wants. It's so cool. That's badass. Um, and then Alistair's on the synthesizer, and um, and that's what you hear all the crazy noises and bass and happen. And that's that's all Alistair's magic too. So it's a really cool project. What's your background? What what, what is Lath Abdel? What what kind of name is that? Where does that? I don't know that I've ever heard of anybody named Lath before. Is that? Yeah. Is that a family um, name or? I'm a ethnically I'm Palestinian. Okay. Um, I was raised uh, here in in America. But um and and born in America, but um, my family yeah are Palestinian immigrants. Um, they were raised in Jordan, um, so I was brought up Muslim. I'm not Muslim anymore. Um, but uh, the kind of like my background yeah it's essentially that I'm ethnically Arab but American. <laughs> did that play did that play a, a role in your life growing up? I mean was was that something That's a huge that was role? It's a huge role yeah because um I don't know just saw a culture clash like from since a you know, childhood really. Like I'm at home being told that there's this one religion I have to believe in. I go to school and there's a religion I have to believe in. You know, everyone has their own beliefs, their own truths. And I remember being so young, always like, you know, I, I was Muslim, but I was also questioning too, you know, like sure. who's the right Christian guy, curious, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, and I went, it didn't take, uh, it, it took high school and friends from high school to really open my eyes to a lot of other thing views. And then all of a sudden I just, 
I am what I am now. <laughs> did you feel did you feel accepted as a kid? Did you feel ostracized? I mean, did that come up at all or not even really anything on your radar? I mean, I'm not the type to, you know, gonna, I'm not going to say I had a bad upbringing when it comes to like racism or anything like that. I had a few um things here and there in school, you know, especially after 9/11 happened, I had kids look at me like, "Oh, you're the same right. as Osama, whatever," you know, and but then over time, you know, it just kind of faded away and and I'm not sure if it's because people didn't realize I was Arab or something, but I mean, um, ostracization and stuff, I, I never really experienced that. Now, my community has experienced it in a some ton of fashion, it, sure, yeah. but, um, and that's stuff that I've heard about over time. Uh, growing up, uh, was that type of music introduced to you at all? Was there an Arab music influence at all in what you listened to growing up? Oh, or? yeah, tons. Um, there's a few artists, uh, major ones. Um Kothum, she was an Egyptian singer of... Uh, very operatic kind of voice, very powerful. She had like, they had her condenser mic, like maybe like three feet above her head. And she would still sound like right up, right like up she was it. up to the microphone. That's how powerful her voice was. Very good music. They're like hour long songs. Oh, wow. <laughs> Crazy. And um, another guy named Abdul Halim Hafiz. And he was another popular Egyptian singer. Those are like the two legends. Like if you walked around the Middle East, you mentioned those two names. Guarantee ninety nine percent someone's gonna know who you're talking about. That's that's but really those cool. two guys, those two people were really yeah they were a big part of my upbringing. My mom listened to them all the time. So. Any siblings? One brother. Um, his name's Muhammad. Uh, he's a used car dealer. He's like Instagram famous. He's selling cars. He's doing really good. Older or younger? He's younger. Two years. Oh wow. Two years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I always like asking about siblings because a lot of times siblings are kind of where music gets introduced or at least popular music gets introduced. So <laughs> when did, when did your musical taste start to form? Well, my musical taste um, really took shape maybe freshman year, sophomore year of high school. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, Wharton High School. Okay. Uh, here in Tampa. Um, so you you were telling me before off air that you were born in New York, but literally like almost immediately moved to Tampa. Yeah. My, my family lived in, when they immigrated to America, they lived in Yonkers with my uncle and the, my mom was pregnant with me. So you, you're first yeah. generation. Some first generation. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she had me in Yonkers. Then literally three days later, my dad bought a brand new Chevy Camaro and drove us down. And what was down here? What brought them to Florida? Um, well, my uncle bought a convenience store and was like, all right, we're going to Florida. And my dad's like, all right, I have no choice. We're going to Florida. We're going to work in a convenience store down there. So you know, that was it. So you said in high school is where the the music kind of, you got the, it, it bit you. Um, what was it that did it? Um, good friends of mine. Uh, my friend William, uh, who was in my first band, I and I. And uh, every time I hear that, I think of Bad Brains, Eye Against Eye. So, yeah, it, I love that band. Yeah, I love the Bad Brains. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah he, he actually named the band. So, my, my friend Will. In any um, anyways, he, he introduced me to um, Mars Volta. He introduced me to a lot of salsa. He introduced me to a lot of like ethnic kind of world music stuff. Right. And I was like, that was like my first taste of like, okay, huh. Because up till then, I was telling you earlier, like, I just, you know, pop music, new metal, whatever. And I was just, whoa. Okay. What were you in high school? I mean, were you an artist? Were you an athlete? Were you a, you know... I was in marching band for a majority of Oh, it. really? What did you yeah. do in marching band? I, I played uh, tenor saxophone. Oh, you told me that. Yeah. So you, had a, so you had a musical knowledge. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? Um, well, when I was a kid, I mean, like elementary school, I was in chorus. So I kind of had that already that musical inclination to like, oh, I want to do something with music. So middle school, I joined band. 
which I learned like clarinet, bass clarinet. And then in high school, I was like, I want to keep this going. So marching band, concert band was a thing. And then I quit in junior year because uh, I felt my band director is a little bit of a yeah Nazi when it came to weird. Like he, ha- he had a thing about jazz. He said he hated jazz. And honestly, what I heard that, that's why I started to get into jazz. Like I heard that. I was like, I'm good. You know, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Do you think your training with wind in- instruments helps you with your singing? Oh, for sure. I I, I like look at my singing as an instrument rather than like, it's really just a true human voice. You know. So so I, I was mentioning to you a little bit before you came on that I've been doing vocal lessons for you know and and it's you know he's talking to me about your diaphragm and he had me we were working on a killing in the name of um and he's like it's almost like you're kicking a drum when you engage your diaphragm on those syllables and when you're you know, opening your mouth and kind of opening up the air passage to let these notes kind of ring out and you're projecting them against the back wall and doing all this stuff. And it's so funny because so much of it is mental in a way, like kind of like uh, picturing what you're doing is making it happen physiologically. Yeah. Uh, And it's not something that I would have thought of, but you know, they talk about like in basketball, you got to picture yourself making the, the free throw or whatever and you know it's like you got to throw your voice you got to do all this stuff and it's true (laughs) when you get your brain there your body starts to kind of do it you know based on what you're thinking about so right very much an instrument so uh what about bands in high school did you were you in any kind of you know Uh, i was um basically a part of a few groups not really like singing for them but kind of like just hanging out and sure. once in a while maybe playing something with them but we never really played shows we just like play at our house in front of friends and i guess that was a show but not really i right. don't know that was fun um and then after high school though i started playing with my friend will uh andy and um my what would be my drummer for new tane leo he was my the drummer for i and i and um and we all started that was like my first like that was like the band that my first band, I would say, like I really took seriously and we practiced like 40 hours a day. Were you there from the <laughs> beginning of that band? Was that band created? Yeah, it was the very beginning. Um, um, my guitarist at the time and Will and Leo were kind of jamming together. Um, and then Will heard me sing some John Frusciante songs oh. uh, in a car one time. Do you know Mike Ramondi? Mike Roman. He's in a high, uh, he's in high beam and he's, he was at oh, the show. Okay. He was at the show. We were sitting right. At, I mean, do you realize how many fucking bands were watching you that night? That's cool. It was <laughs> in, I mean, I, I, I'm just, you had the nervous girls right here. The nervous girls. Are there. You had slap of reality, the path right here. You had meat wound right here. You had black <laughs> clash. You had wreath and vacancy. You had high beam. You had rudderkin. You had, <laughs> it was like a, a college reunion of people watching. It was there. a good night. It was. Good it was night a badass night. It really it was, was. Really nice seeing everyone. Honestly, it was such a beautiful night. It was fun. <laughs> so getting back to I and I, what, what is there a discussion at the beginning of that band? Like, here's what we're shooting for. Here's what we're trying to do. Or you mentioned you were that singing John Kashanti. That was honestly the best thing about it is that we didn't really talk about it. That we just jammed. We literally went in the storage room that we had built, um, like a a room just like this in. And, uh, we just played, we yeah. just played like literally and that was like, you know, during our college years. So 
weren't really working or anything like that. That was like the perfect time to go in and play for eight hours straight. You're fucking telling me about it. I got a three-year-old and a seven-year-old and I'm an attorney during the day. Like uh, if I I can get 30 minutes scrolled away to do anything at all, it's like, I got to, I got to train and I got to do this. I'm going to. No, yeah. I, I always think of how I pissed away my college days, like man, all the stuff I, I could have been doing. I always talk to these guys. I still, we still reminisce till now. Like, man, we used to practice 40 hours. No joke, 40 hours. It was like a full-time job. Right. And that and was I, when you were in college? Yeah, that was when I was in college. I used to commute to UCF. You I used to drive to did UCF. Did you go to UCF? I did. I, I went to UCF too. I did. So that's another thing. So that's two things. You checked off two boxes from New York, lives in <laughs> Florida, went to UCF. That's another one that a bunch of people. Where did you live in UCF? Oh, you do. You drove to I UCF. Commuted. I lived at the collegiate. I lived at the collegiate village inn right there on Colonial. Do you okay, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking like about. Like a converted hotel where you get yeah. to watch your roommate bang his girlfriend with For nothing sure. in between the two of you, and you're just like, "This is awkward." For so sure. you see everyone's life. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> Um, well, I have to imagine being in a band in college is pretty rad. I mean, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, um, honestly, probably my most formative years as a singer, because if it wasn't for that, I don't know, I probably wouldn't have developed the style that I have today. You know? And did you put out LPs, EPs, anything like that? Or we had a demo that we did and we recorded ourselves. It's really low quality, but our friends that have it till this day still message me about it saying how cool it was. So maybe one of these days I'll send it to you if I find it. I would, I would love um, it. I, I was then, introduced to Belching Penguin recently. Are you aware of them? Belching Penguin. So they were a punk hardcore band uh, from Sarasota. And then I'm talking like 80s, 90s, like during during the time when the original, like, you know, when Black Flag was still playing minor through all this stuff. And you listen to these guys and it's amazing to me that they were not as big as any of those other bands. I'll send you the, you can only listen to it on YouTube right now. Well, there's a vinyl. Wow, I gotta bit, hear that. But it's fucking crazy. I keep trying to get the, some of the guys on there, but they're all like in their 50s and have families now. But in any event, so what happened with I and I? Why did, why did that end or, or what happened there? Well, um, our original guitarist had left the band. Um, there was some, you know, disagreements as to what we want to sound like. Direction. And direction and stuff like that. And um, then we had um, my friend Nate, um, who would be the guitarist for New Tane, joined our band. And um, we played, we practiced, actually wrote some songs, some really, in my opinion, really good songs. But once again, just like creative differences and stuff among us. And it just didn't work out. And, um, and then from that group though, um, me, Nate and Leo started nude Tane. Yeah. yeah. Which is Elliot introduced me to leading up to last week's show. He's like, he's like, yeah, I dig mind wash, but I fucking, you know, love new Tane. And I was, tell me, where does that name come from? It's a, um, it's a skit from Tim and Eric. Okay. And Paul Rudd is in it. Okay. And, uh, he's sitting at a computer and his computer's name is, uh, I don't know. It's some computer. He's asking, hey, computer, can you load up something? Can you load up Celery Man? I don't know. He says yeah. something crazy. Then some computer thing in his image named Tane pops up. He's like, I'm Tane, your latest dancer. Can't wait to entertain you. <laughs> Just such a weird, like, you know, <laughs> dumb skit. And we're... That was a skit at the time where we were just laughing our asses off at, and we're like, you know, let's just name the band Nude Tane. So, <laughs> in a in a in a stroke of brilliance, I named the show Barely Legal off of Ali G doing an interview <laughs> with uh, the U.S. Attorney General, where he's talking about the difference between legal, illegal, and barely legal, and he starts <laughs> talking about some porno movie called Barely Legal that yeah. he watched. And so, like, there's literally people who won't come on this show because they think it's a reference to like 
child pornography. And I'm like, it's literally an Ali G joke. But in any event, so I completely get, I completely get that. But anyways, Elliot was like, you got to check them out. And I listened to that. It's fucking badass. I mean, that's badass too. Like everything you've done is really good and really different. So, so, so we have I and I, and then we have new t- So tell me about that. Is that still around or is that come to officially? A yeah. I mean, we, we really want to meet up again and write. It's just, we all live across the country. Uh, yeah. Nate's in California. He's, at University of California, Berkeley right now for his music PhD. Oh, wow. So he's top notch right now on that. And uh, Leo's in Philly. Um, he's got a couple of groups up there, too, that are really cool. Um, and I'm down here. But, you know, uh, last year, COVID kind of threw a wrench on some kind of plans that we had to meet up and write. Now that things are kind of getting back to normal, though, I'm, I'm sure we'll be able to meet up at some point. But, yeah, we... Um, How did you write out COVID? Oh, man, COVID's... Did you, know, you write? Did you? What'd you do? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just, just kind of did what I usually do. Just hang out and yeah. jam. <laughs> yeah. Stayed away from people kind of. And then whenever things opened up, I just did what I usually do. I just, you know, hang out with my girlfriend or, you know. And right. <laughs> so it, it was cool. Um, I mean, last year I had a pretty um, life-changing thing that happened to me. Um, my uh girlfriend of four years we broke up when okay. covid right right when covid happened right. so the few months after that were pretty intense um so i was really kind of like in a dark place a little bit and um really looked to music to really keep me going and that was a big part of it too so yeah i mean other than that though i you know kind of routed out and now things are so much better so uh, day job <laughs> no, you, you mentioned that you're you're looking at doing programming stuff is that yeah do you do that for somebody do you do that kind of contract work on your on your own or how does that work um well actually i haven't done any contract work i i just graduated from usf in okay. may oh wow Congrats. so um thank you yeah so, so last month yeah fucking a yeah that's last huge month. Last bachelor month. of science bachelor of science in computer yeah. engineering computer science wow that's mm-hmm. impressive it's my second degree what was your first degree uh philosophy and political science oh there's a Big money in that racket. That's yeah. a good good time. No, I was <laughs> I was actually that was that was a path that I was on for a while, and I stupidly switched mm-hmm. over. But um, well, that's cool. I mean, what got you into that? Well, um, into the first degree or second? Yeah, degree? first degree. I'll talk first. <laughs> well, degree. I wanted to be I want to go to law school, become a lawyer. Oh God, um, I'm so thankful that that didn't happen for you. Yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, wish that on anybody. Hey, <laughs> that's kind of why I jumped out. Um, a, a series of personal things in my life to happen with my family and just views of the justice system that really were illuminated by it. Um, that really made me like, I don't know if I want to jump into this. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm glad I didn't. Cause you know, I didn't even start law school. I had just graduated and I was already being like, man, I'm going to do something else. So <laughs> it's very, you know, I, I don't know how much you believe in the whole right brain, left brain thing, but <laughs> I think that life would very much, be an obstacle to the life that you're leading and living. And, you know, the world has enough fucking lawyers. They need more people like you out there. That's kind of, you know, all all this, all this shit that we have to do, you know, laws and taxes and fucking this, that, and the other, you know, the reason it's bearable is because there's some light at the end of the tunnel. And I think art, whether it's, music or you know visual art or whatever the case may be is is what keeps you going what keeps people wanting to like put up with the shitty part of it and you know 
I, I, I think up until March of 2020, there hadn't been a month where I wasn't seeing at least two or three shows. And then Gasparilla Music Festival in 2020 was the last show I went to until I saw uh, Will Quinlan a couple weeks ago at New World Brewery. And then wow. I saw um, Have Gun Will Travel. And then I saw you guys at Hooch and Hive. And uh, what was great about your show is Will Will's an amazing songwriter and just so heartfelt. And Have Gun, I mean, those guys are just insanely talented, they beautiful are. music. Mm -hmm. But there's not that visceral kind of chaos in those shows. And what has worried me throughout is what is a punk show going to be in the age of COVID? Because are you going to be able to stand next to the stage? Are you going to be able to bump into the singer? I mean, are you going <laughs> to, what is that going to look like? And I'm not worried about it anymore after Friday <laughs> night. Like yeah. it, it kind of checked that box off for me and said, everything's going to be okay. And so I, I was so like, it was weird. It was more of a cathartic moment than, I, I, I mean, I'm sure it was for you. Was that your, was that your first show back post COVID or? Um, with Mindwash, we did a show a few months ago at the Shuffle. Okay. And with Highway Advisory Radio, we've played a few shows. Okay. So this wasn't. So you... yeah, I, I'm, it wasn't that much of a drop for me as it was for other people. Sure. But still, I mean, it was, you know, in any event. Mm -hmm. So uh, t talk to me, you talk to me a little bit about Throat Puncher, but how does, how does that whole idea develop? I mean, is that. Whose idea is that? Who comes to who and says, hey, let's do this crazy? Crow puncher? Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember how that all started. I'm pretty sure I was talking to Danny. Or it was like Danny and, and Alistair jamming sometime. I was like, I want to come jam. And we just did like a – one of those days was like a four-hour jam or something. And then we did repeated meetups of stuff and built up like maybe like 15 hours of recording material. And Danny did his mixing, editing, mastering magic, took the stuff we did of just jams and turned them into songs, like edited songs right, out of them. Right. So everything you hear on on the record is just us jamming. It wasn't really us writing or anything. That's where that was during our fresh jams. And it was really cool. So it didn't it wasn't really any decision making process. It was kind of just natural. And Danny was like, man, I, I wanted to get good at mixing and editing. So this was like his project for that. And it turned out really well. So our next go around. We're thinking about doing the same exact thing, just jumping in, jamming a lot, and then just turn, just churning record it out. hours and hours and hours and come back through. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for not being under the gun, like not having to get a good take or not having a deadline or not having to whatever. You can just be mm -hmm. free to kind of – it's like, you know, you, you listen to these film directors and, you know, there's like Clint Eastwood who supposedly like – he shoots one take and that's all you fucking get. And then there's yeah. David Fincher who does like a billion takes and people are like, I'm exhausted. I can't do this any longer. So <laughs> yeah. it's like finding that happy medium between it, those it's two really, worlds. It was really, you know, it's really illuminating to see over the years, all the bands and the different philosophies. Um, like with New Tane, we would record an album. We would write songs, record an album like in a week, yeah. a week or two. Yeah. My current bands, it's like gotten maybe like, it's like a year or two process of writing songs and then finally wanting to record. And then, you know, Dark Puncher, go in, we jam, and then extract songs from jams. Like, it's so cool how you could do so much with music that you didn't think. Like, you know, it's not just button mashing anymore. Or it was, it, it, now it's button mashing a lot for a lot of people. But, like, there's still this other avenue of creative processes that's would, like, I don't know, I learned so much from each. and. Well, for sure. I mean, if you know, I'm 45, so I'm what 14 years older than you. But you know, bands, bands in my day, it was a fucking tape deck. 
mm-hmm. you know, and they would just turn it on and they play and that's what you got. Yeah. And, then, you know, they had the analog studios or it's tape and all this shit. And it's just like, oh my God. And, mm-hmm. but literally now, like we're sitting here in this room and I got a fucking MacBook with garage band on and a, this Apogee thing that Sean Kyle introduced me to. And <laughs> it doesn't sound too bad. Um, yeah. Can I ask you trade secrets? Since I'm getting now into the world of, of singing, I, can I, can I, take a tutoring session for me sure of course so let me ask you when you're when you're how are you writing what you're singing like are you just sitting in the room while they're playing are you playing in a part at all in what they're writing or how how does that work um so i like to personally i love to hear the music first and then shape my vocal melodies on top of it whatever i sing is gibberish for a long time for a long time and then out of the gibberish kind of naturally comes concepts and feelings and themes. And then I focus on that and create lyrics around it. So I kind of grow like it's like a little plant. You know, you, you got the seed of music and then you just keep watering your vocal melodies until all of a sudden the concepts and the themes and the feelings come naturally out of it. Because I don't know, I think I, I, I just personally think the raw feeling should be superior to the content of what you're saying. I can dig that big time mm-hmm. because as much as I listen to music and I listen to a ton of it, my wife always makes fun of me. She's like, you never know what the lyrics are to anything. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm very rarely listening to the lyrics. I'm listening to the melody or I'm mm-hmm. listening, like I love harmonizing and I don't give a shit what they're singing. But like you mentioned for Shanty, like I, that's my favorite Chili Peppers is when he's singing behind Kiedis or mm-hmm. R.E.M. when uh, 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 Mike Mills and, and Michael Stipe are singing together or you know, whatever the care uh, Fleetwood Mac, you know, Lindsey Buckingham and, and Stevie Nicks are singing together. Mm-hmm. When you get those mix of sound, I just that to me is more transcendent than any words. That said, I can fucking get lost in a Bob Dylan lyric and just fucking think about yeah. mas- Masters of War. Oh, there's or, incredible lyrics. Yeah. And know? it's funny because mm-hmm. with this band, this prisoner hostage that I, I've started, you know, the first song that they were working on, I'm like. I want to I want to write like a Dylan lyric and and uh, Mark, who's one of the guitarists, he's like, this isn't that music, dude. Just, fucking, you know, like, you, you know, don't, you don't need to have a turn of phrase here. Like, just kind of, <laughs> you know, get get your emotion out. You don't need right. to write, you know, Mark Twain or anything like that. But well, that's that's cool. That's that's yeah. good to hear. So I like that it kind of organically grows from sounds into what mm-hmm. the final final product is. Um, yeah. Your voice. Is that something that you work on or is that just what comes out when you're singing? Like, are you paying attention to, I pay attention. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was, I've taken vocal lessons when I was 20, like for three months, learned basically like the basics of operatic singing, the warm ups and, and all the warm ups and all that stuff. And I think it is, I truly believe it is the foundation for any kind of singing you want. Well, um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of cookie monster. I'm a big fan yeah. of growl. I'm big, but I was, I was, Relieved to hear your voice, relieved to hear you singing, relieved to, and, and there was something very. Yeah, I love all those bands. I love the grimy stuff, and I could do that stuff. You yeah. Know? But I also have that side where I love the RB, I love the soul, I love the pop. You had I a love... fucking Britney Spears shirt on, and you were singing like 70s metal, like stoner, <laughs> like Thin Lizzy type of fucking just yeah. rad. I love it all. I love all music. That's badass. That's love badass. So with Mindwash, how did that come about? What was the, you know, just. The style? Well, no, the, um, the band. Oh, I mean, just, oh. hey, let's do something. We're going to, you know, what was the conversation? Yeah, um, I, I think I was mentioned earlier, I was 
talking to the guitarist, Chris Denny, I was like, yo, I've always wanted to do something classic rock, hard rock oriented and but with a modern twist. And he was like, I'm all about that. So um, he was uh, the guy, the other guys in the band, Aaron and Chris Krause, like we've all known each other for years over, you know, the, the scene of just I've, I saw them that they were the original lineup of a band called Devout. OK, um, which they've had a few different lead singers over the years, but they were just a really heavy like. Like, they look like stoner doom metal. I mean, it's, yeah, at least they, like they were just the like fast. I would say like like hardcore. I would say I don't know. It, they were just super fast, really intense music. Right. Not like what we're doing now, but same lineup of guys. So, um, it, it, so it's cool that like I jump in and all of a sudden it's like, all right, guys, we're not devout anymore. We're now ZZ Top <laughs> or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like we're all like older now. We've all passed like we love punk. Don't get me wrong, but we're we're like more into just like the laid back, heavy rock now, and we wanted to get that out too. But what's great about it is you could, you but we still have that punk side. You know? I yes. Mean, that yes. punk influence. That's my mm-hmm. point. Is you'd be just at home playing with those bands as you would be playing with more you know Queens of the Stone Age, this type of kind of. More of a music, I want to say more of a musical band because that sounds condescending and denigrating. I know I mean what you that. mean. Yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. a melody. There's a there's a there's some, you know. So well, songwriting is a little more, I guess, like crafted. For right, sure. right. So yeah. as far as the songwriting goes, you mentioned that you guys are working on stuff. I mean, is there an album in the future? Is there? A- yeah, we want to get it done. We have, I think, we have in mind to write two or three more songs. And then we're going to record the album and um, hopefully be done with that by the end of this year. Um, was that like a yeah. six song set? How many songs did you guys play on Friday night? It was night? about eight or nine. Okay. Something like that. All right. And uh, are you doing fest or are you doing any of these other things locally? Um, we want to get on some festivals. I've, you know, it would have been nice to hit fest or uh, Gasparilla Music Festival. We're not sure about the details of um, could be, you know, something in the future we can jump on a fest, but maybe it's so soon right now. But next year, we want to jump on some festivals. You should be because, I mean, amazing songs, amazing songwriting, and it's not like every other thing that you see. I mean, really, really on its own. Thank you. (laughs) So you got your degree and you mentioned that you were working on uh, some some project that was an app that got kind of recognized. and, And that's kind of something that you're doing on for the other part of your time is kind of your. Perf- yeah. Um, so yeah. So on, in my spare time, I'm trying to, I'm actually trying to um, uh, get a on-campus delivery app going um, for college students. Um, delivery of? For, of like local on-campus foods. Okay. Straight to students without ha- them having to even move. Like literally walk into a library or to a student center and just hand it to them. That's Instead badass. of like Uber Eats where they, you'd have to meet out front. Sure. All the confusing directions. And uh, I kind of wanted to do a delivery app where um, it would kind of get away with all the annoying inconveniences while also making it cheaper right? for students to use their meal plans or meal vouchers and be very like just niche. So just for students, not for anyone outside of the college campus. Um, I'm calling it Nosh. Oh, that's perfect. (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) So I'm I'm working on that and um, I want to try and um, get some funding for that. That's badass. I had a Devin Brady on. Do you know who he is? He uh, he is a he was a musician. He's a firefighter, but he's also a part of this art consortium called the Crab Devils, and they're building this thing called the Peninsularium, which is this interactive art studio in Ebor Heights, that where you're actually awesome. able to go in. There's craft beer, like a uh, Tim Ogden from Path of Increase. Yeah, Tim. Indifference. He's doing his deviant libation thing there, and it's going to be 
like a lot of these like semi trailers filled with these interactive art point being where I'm going with this is he had this idea and I think it's brilliant. And, and he said, I could have it. So if I can have it, you can have it. But he was talking about a local only Spotify. So he was talking mm -hmm. about how all of these restaurants and all of these businesses have to pay this exorbitant amount for like the commercial Spotify account to be able to play him. And he said, if there was something that was local bands, like you could go into Hooch and Hive or Shuffle or Crowbar or what, whatever. And instead of it cycling through Foo Fighters and Tom Petty and whatever, it was Mind Wash and The Path and High Beam and all this other stuff. So the price point would be a lot lower. And not only that, it would be introducing people locally to music that they could go and experience locally. And it was this kind of you know, reciprocal relationship, which I yeah. thought was a fucking brilliant that idea. Sounds like an amazing idea. It's um, you know, just right off the bat, logistically would be inter interesting because you definitely need some database power to power some of the streaming that's gonna get happen. the Bitcoin people and they can run out some fucking yeah, yeah. warehouse. And, <laughs> yeah, get some and steal some it from rich the grid. punks with Bitcoin and invest in this. Right, right, right. <laughs> Um, so just a couple questions just to kind of, cause we were talking about it a little bit is we were talking about the Tampa scene and we were kind of talking about how, what's going to be a unifying force or what's going to be something that can really take it to like a Nashville or some of these other towns that really have these like, you know, magnet scenes. And I think the, the depth of talent and the breadth of talent here is just so rich and amazing and varied you know, between a Will Quinlan, a Have Gun Will Travel, a Mind Wash, a Vacancy, a, you know, whatever the case. I mean, you've got your punk, you've got your Americana folk, you've got more of a pop, you know, there's all, and then not not to mention Latino and you got Mike Mass and you got hip hop and it's all this yeah. stuff. It's all here, but I, I just, I want it to turn into something, you know, right. but I don't know how that happens. Uh, is that something you thought about at all? Or well, I think about this all the time. Um, I, I talk with friends about this all the time and, um, I think what it takes is to really, you know, everyone thinks it's the artist, it's the artist, it's the artist. Really, you need to pull the community. The community needs to be interested. The community needs to be, it's, I mean, it's kind of weird to say this, but entertained by what they're seeing. Right. You know, and what they're listening to. Stoked by it. It could be really good, talented people, but if it's, if it's not entertaining or if it's not something that stokes them out, they're not going to want to, you know come back to that show right. or something like that. Right? right. So I think what the key to it is, is we need to have a, a style of shows that isn't like what it was before genre screw genres, like put the rap artists in there, put the punk, put the rock, put the, like we, I did a show with highway advisory radio at the mermaid tavern. Right? right. And this was back in like November, like right when, you know, COVID was kind of opening up, whatever the, the things were calming down. Anyways, we played for this band called chew, which like, honestly, um, our styles are very different. You know, they're like hip hop, Atlanta kind of hip hop, trip hop kind of instrumental. And we're more like progressive rock, but with like all sorts of different genres infused. It wasn't just like a punk show, you know, it was just, this was live music. Right. Right. So I remember at the end of the show, we played it, right? And this guy came up to me and he's like, listen, man, I'm a rap artist, but like, dang, that was, I mean, I want to do stuff like this, man. I want to do rock. I want to do, like, we influenced this guy. Like, this guy had a lot of fun. You know, right. I want, he's like, I want to be in shows like this. I want to do stuff. He was talented. He was showing me videos and audio of his stuff. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, I know this can work. We just got to get the right mix in the right spot, the right kind of people to come out and see that this exists 
and it can grow. And but it just needs we need a spot, you know, that spot to I, really bring people together. Tampa is such a sprawl. You know, it really so is. I, you know, right? I, I was using the example like the Grand Old Opry in Nashville or like some of these other places like a venue, like the venue, like the fucking place that every St. Pete kind of had that for a minute with Janice Landing. But then mm-hmm. it kind of didn't happen. And there's, you know, it's never really gotten off the ground, but I, I just mm-hmm. I hope it does. And, and, and Sean O'Brien and Joe DeCunto and Paul Williams and all these, you know, Ledford promotions and Broken Mold. And all these people like plan these shows that are, you know, this rock the park thing was kind of cool. Now it's not quite as varied as what you're talking about, but yeah, I went and I saw, um, it was, uh, Oh, Tyler Coy is going to kill me. I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the, the band that he was in, but, uh, then it was uh Mr. ENC who were badass. They sounded like Radiohead or smashing pumpkins. Mm-hmm. And then Achilles, do you know, Achilles, Achilles, Kim Billy's the he's blade of sir. He's just fucking bad. Mm-hmm. At, he does all of his own. He does all of his instruments, all of his vocals. He's That's fucking cool. bad. At, yeah. You got to check him out. But anyways, it was, it was three very different ty- I mean, it's all rock, but very different types of rock. So I think people were kind yeah. of getting introduced to different things. So in any event, well, I appreciate you giving me an hour of your time. Mm-hmm. I'm so stoked that I got to see you on Friday night because it, it, it kind of opened me up to something I didn't know existed before. The fact that you're not like on fucking MTV or whatever the, whatever the equivalent is to MTV a- anymore. Like you're amazing. Like I'm a huge fan right away. Thanks. Man. And you made a lot of new, <laughs> you made a lot of new fans that night too. I mean, you're singing your, your swagger on stage, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you just fucking owned it up there and it was so cool to see. So thanks man. <laughs> thank you so much for coming by. Uh, where can people find you on social media, on the internet? Um, um, I, I mean, my Instagram uh, is Lath Abdel underscore, um, some of my bands, uh, Mindwash, you can find them at Mindwash underscore underscore, um, uh, my band Highway Advisory Radio, uh, that's the Instagram handle too. Um, I'm on Facebook as well. If you want to add me there, if anyone has, you know, any questions about music or want to play a show or, you know, anything, you know, don't hesitate to hit me up. I'm not, you know, I'm not someone that's, you know, sitting here being like, oh, I'm late, whatever. He's a super like, nice guy, just, but just he, freaking yeah. hit me up and talk to me about music anytime, you know, <laughs> that's badass. Well, I, I wish you the best of luck. I think what you're doing is rad. Hopefully the whole other side of this with your programming works out too, but I, I just don't want you to move to New York or something. Keep, yeah. keep it here. Keep it here. <laughs> Who knows, man? I know that's what's going to happen. They're going to fucking, it's like the fucking Yankees. You just poach everybody's <laughs> lineup. So in any event, Lay, thank you so much for coming on. It was, you, it was a great pleasure and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much, man. Thank you.